We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. If I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy here. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is the Benedict for the shot. If anybody gonna come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. And then there were two, ladies and gentlemen, we have the Pacers and the Lakers in the in-season tournament championship game. And joining me now to talk about that is Sean Davis. He is an NBA analyst at Lakers Nation. Sean, how we doing, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me on, Alex. I don't think I've been on your show yet. So this is kind of fun. So really excited to dive into this one. Yeah, it's been a hot minute since I was on your show is when I was actually at my old apartment. So uh, it's been a couple of years, but you know what? It's a perfect time to rejoin and talk about two of our favorite teams, the Pacers and the Lakers, as they're meeting each other, like I said, in the championship. And now this will be, I think, LeBron James sixth time to eliminate the Pacers from advancing <laughs> in his in his career. So he's done it three with the Heat and two with the Cavaliers. But, you know, the Lakers, they're in a, a weird spot. You know, they're a, they're a team that I don't know if they're title favorites or contenders this year. Maybe they are. But LeBron has emphasized how much this in-season tournament kind of means to him. Uh, what what has been your overall thoughts on their play and the people that they played in their group? Um, I think they're playing the term has pretty much been spectacular. I think we're starting to see the Lakers finally get back healthy, which has been my my one point I've had about this team all year was despite all the trade rumors, Zach Levine or whatever, or calling the Lakers a contender or not. I said, let's see what this team is first. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, your best perimeter defender, has been hurt all year. He just came back against Phoenix. 
Rui, Hachimura missed a couple of games. Cameras was down. Almost everybody, I mean, almost everybody missed time. So it's just let this team get healthy and we'll see where we're at. And they're 14 9, fourth in the West right now. They're top 10 defensive rating. LeBron's been great. 80s had a solid year. And I think at their best, which we've seen them at for the past couple of games, this is a team I think is a contender. So I think they're starting to hit their stride at a really good time right now. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously the Pacers have been in this weird boat where they haven't played great throughout the regular season. It's been up and down for them, but they've been awesome in the in-season tournament games and they're 6-0 and and here they are in the championship and got a chance to go 7-0 and and Tyrese Halliburton has kind of put himself on the map. And I saw you put a tweet out earlier he said, I don't know how the Lakers are going to guard him. So I guess that's a good place to start there. Looking at your backcourt, D'Angelo Russell, obviously not known for his defense. Um, then you got Cam Reddish in the backcourt. It's a pretty big lineup, though. So what do you guys or what are you thinking the Lakers are going to do to try to stop Tyrese Halliburton? Uh, well, first off, I don't know if you're going to completely nuke Tyree Hallibur- Tyrese Halliburton because he's I think I just think feel that way about all the best offensive players like Jokic. You're not stopping Jokic completely. Right. You're not stopping especially these guys that can score and pass, right? You're not shutting down Luka. You can slow him down. You're not going to completely just have a poor Luka game. So my best bet right now, I've gotten some Laker fans who I mentioned saying, go Jared Vanderbilt, who's your best perimeter defender, sure. But I think Cam Rash is your best bet, especially when Tyrese Halliburton is a heavy ball screen guy. He's literally the number one ball screen offensive engine in the NBA. Like the Pacers offense scores that I want to say was a 1.28 points per possession mm-hmm. when Tyrese Halliburton has the ball on his hands in the ball screen, which if you don't know how points per possession works, one is great normally. Anything above one is pretty, pretty darn good. 1.28 is just <laughs> absurd. So uh, that's probably your best bet. I haven't watched any film on the Pacers yet, but – I don't know, man. He He's absurd. He's probably my favorite non-Laker player in the NBA. I mean, that with all sincerity. So that's why when you hit me up, I'm like, heck yeah, I'll come on and talk about the Pacers. I love Allie. Well, well let, let's stay there a little bit. I mean, what is it about Tyrese that you love so much? Just how, how you can't speed him up. Just the pace he plays with. Like, you can't speed him up. You can't really. He's going to dictate the game. And I think he's the best passer in the NBA right now, simply because he doesn't turn the ball over. So he's going to get you. 14 assists tonight, but normally we see that, oh, it's six turnovers, four turnovers. No, it's 14 turnovers and, I mean, 14 assists and one turnover, no turnovers. I think he's, what, 28 assists and no turnovers the past two or three games or something like that. So, yeah. And he can also score the ball, too. I mean, he's averaged like 27 this year, I want to say. So the fact that he's so daggone efficient and as a scorer and as a playmaker, I mean – the reason why this Pacers offense is the best offense in the league. Yeah, they're, they're, he's pretty special. I mean, the last two games, 53 points, 28 assists, zero turnovers. I mean, it's kind of hard to think about how much he has the ball in his hands, too, and how much he doesn't turn it over. And then you talk about the teams that he played against, uh, Boston, who has two great defenders in Derek White and Drew Holiday. And then, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they're not bad defenders, but, you know, they're not at that level of Derek White and Drew Holiday. But all those guys being thrown on him with no turnovers is pretty special. Yeah, Milwaukee, you know, they're known for having a good team defense, but I think their defense has taken a step back this year um, since they traded Drew, obviously. So, you know, the Pacers, I wasn't super worried about the Bucs. I know that sounds crazy to say, but I was like, I don't really know if they have someone that can really stop him from doing what he wants to do. I think it's going to be a a battle of 
who scores the most points. And I think it's kind of what it came down to. And so yeah. you look at the Lakers, right? And they're a good defensive team. LeBron James tonight, 23 minutes is all he had to play. 30 points, 9 of 12 shooting, 4 of 4 from the three-point line. Like, he was on fire. This means something to him. I know he's getting older in his career, but, like, when LeBron is still at his best, it's hard to pick anybody else but him and his team to win. So I guess, you know, LeBron in this matchup, who do you think the Pacers put on him and how do you think he is utilized in this uh, in this game? I mean, obviously, he's kind of your point guard, your point forward, that type of thing. The Pacers are a little bit smaller with their roster. You know, they have Obi Toppin at the four, Bruce Brown at the three, Buddy Hield at the two, and Tyrese at the one. So just kind of curious how you think they try to cross-match that. Uh, I think Miles by default has to get AD. I think they're going to try to hide Halliburton, which is probably smart, and just put him on Cam. Yeah, exactly. So from a Lakers perspective, if the Pacers going to do that, okay, I'm just going to switch hunt the Pacers to death. I don't, I, have, I don't know what the Pacers do in terms of like ball screen stuff. I would imagine they don't switch a ton because you're just putting Hallie in a, you know, less than advantageous spot defensively. But I think Buddy is going to have to guard. He's probably get the. Uh, he'll probably guard man. Prince. Yeah, oh yeah, he'll probably guard Torian. And then that's the problem though. Like, I think you're gonna put Bruce Brown on D'Lo, which is gonna be fun for to watch to see if D'Lo can respond from that playoff blunder. And then Obi on LeBron. That's probably how I imagine it going. Yeah. But like I said, from an offensive attacker to Lakers, I would imagine he's try to switch on the, the Pacers to death. Yeah, and I, and I think you'll see a lot of Aaron Neesmith on LeBron as well. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how we've seen, like they guarded Giannis with Obi Top and an Aaron Neesmith. That's kind of their fours right now that they trust. Uh, to play in these games, obviously. So it'll be big. And I, and I mean, I wasn't able to fully watch this game tonight as I was recording podcasts during the game and doing some other stuff. But how was that environment in terms of Laker fans in the building? Because it felt like in that first game, Bucks pacers it was pretty quiet early on. Yeah, the Lakers are definitely going to have the home court advantage in air quotes there. I mean, Vegas is just an L.A. like Lakers town in general. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, the MB, the league nuked the the Pacers-Bucks game from the start by putting it at 5 o'clock. Like, there was yeah. no shot. Like, the ratings aren't going to be good, I'm sure. And it's 2 o'clock out in Vegas, so you're not going to get a sold-out, full-capacity crowd for that. But it'll be fun. It'll be a really fun environment Friday or Saturday night. The atmosphere is going to be great. And, I mean, you got a rising superstar on one end, and you got – the I don't even want to say aging at this point because he's been an aging superstar for 10 years. But I mean, still, a, in my opinion, a top five player, probably number four or five, but nonetheless, a top five player in LeBron, especially when he's the way he's playing right now. So it'll be a fun, it'll be a fun game for sure. A lot of points, probably. I mean, he's arguably the best player that's ever played the game, too. So I think know. he's the GOAT. So I'll, yeah. I'll agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue with if it's him or MJ or if there's somebody else you want to throw in there because it's all debatable. But He's in that conversation, and he's been playing yeah. it, for, playing the game for so long, right? Year 21 for him right now. So, yeah, he's special. There's no doubt about it. So I want to talk about your bench a little bit, though. Rui Hachimura, Vanderbilt, you talked about him. Austin Reeves coming off the bench now. What do you guys like about your bench, and how has that been impactful for you guys? I think moving Austin to the bench is, was a great decision by the coaching staff. One, it just allows him to be more aggressive off the bench, just searching for his shot. And, you know, I thought – Early in the year, Austin was, you know, picking and choosing, you know, like incorrectly picking and choosing when to be a passer, when to be a, 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 you know, a scorer. Now he can just come off the bench and just try to be an efficient scorer off the bench. Vando coming off the bench, Jared Vanderbilt coming off the bench. 
probably your best perimeter defender, which is, I think, a nice perk to have. I mean, he's recovering from an injury, so that's probably really why he's coming off the bench. But, they, I mean, I think we have some guys. Ruri can give you 15 just about whenever. Uh, Max Christie's a solid defender that can hit the three for Michigan State, second-year player. So I think we have some depth. Jackson Hayes is probably going to play. I wouldn't really expect much out of Jackson. But I think you just have two guys for sure off the bench that could chip in 15 on any night. Max can give you good defense and three-point shooting. Vander, Vanderbilt, at his best defensively, man, can wreck a game plan. I mean, we saw it against Golden State to a certain extent last year in the playoffs, especially in game one. We've seen him guard up some of the best perimeter def- uh, players in the, on the planet. He's guarded KD really well in recent years. Locked mm-hmm. up Luka in recent memory as well. So the, the, we, we definitely have some pretty solid players to come off the bench for sure. Yeah, and I think the Pacers bench has kind of been their strength in some games. I think they were 43-13 to 13 against the Bucks in terms of scoring, outscoring them. Aaron e. Smith, Benedict Matherin. Um, I know Andrew Nimhart had a big third quarter for the Pacers. Nimhart's my guy. See, you guys have all the dudes I love. I was big on Benedict when he got drafted. I loved Andrew Nimhart. <laughs> yeah, McConnell's still there, too, and I think McConnell was kind of that spark for the Pacers in that second quarter against Milwaukee just because they needed someone to kind of uplift them a little bit, and they really took it to Milwaukee in that second quarter. So yeah, the Pacers are a team that likes to play fast, and they like to get out and shoot a lot of threes, and they only made seven of 33 against Milwaukee. And it was one of those things where they were just cold. And that's kind of been the downfall for this team. And they've not won games where I think they've made just 12 or less threes in a game. That was their first victory when they've done that. So how do you think the Lakers will defend against the Pacers in terms of trying to eliminate the three-point shot? But the Pacers also are pretty good at getting into the paint. Yeah, that is my biggest concern with this game or one of my biggest concerns probably right after guarding Howley. Because I think the bit, biggest criticism I have of the Lakers coaching staff is they're too stubborn. And it's kind of a guy Mike Boonehoser fired from Milwaukee is like your scheme works, but there's certain games, this is one of them, where you have to divert from it and be like, okay, cool. We want to be the team that protects the pain at a high level. It will give you the three point shot a little bit more. No, the Pacers, no. If anything, I'm just going to aggressively run them off the line, send them in Anthony Davis. So that worries me a ton. The Pacers going to get out and transition a ton. The Lakers aren't the best transition defense on the world in the world either. So those two factors definitely do worry me a, a lot. I'm trying to find you guys right quick on cleaning the glass. But yeah, I mean, Halley and the combination of just the, the pace and space that you guys have with Miles Turner, who's a pick and pop big or just can be a stretch big in general, knockdown threes. Buddy's obviously an elite shooter. Um, the Pacers. Oh, uh, that might be wrong. Okay, so we're gonna, I'm going to nix that. But, yeah, that that definitely worries me for sure. Yeah, Buddy Hill was not good in this game. I don't even think he made one three-point shot, but he did lead the team in rebounding with 11, which is just funny to see. And, you know, you're not used to Buddy being a, a great rebounder, but that's kind of how this Pacer team has to work when they are a little bit undersized. You know, they have to, to kind of gang rebound together as a team. And we've seen Halliburton get 10 rebounds against the Celtics to get his first triple-double. But, you know, Obi Toppin is another player that's been really interesting. I mean, his defense on Giannis is – it's just hard to guard Giannis in general. So yeah. I don't know how I'll do on LeBron. I thought he did a really good job on Jimmy Butler last Saturday because um, Jimmy Butler is so good at getting guys into bad positions. Foul to troubles, yeah. And uh, he he played really solid on him. I think Jimmy Butler was held to 4 of 11 shooting when Obi was the primary defender. So, you know, we're seeing growth from some of these young guys. But – I do think that the Pacers having veterans like Bruce Brown, Miles Turner, and yeah. T.J. McConnell, um, 
that have played in playoff games that kind of know what that atmosphere is like is huge to have them there. But, you know, it all starts with Tyrese and his ability just to kind of stay calm under pressure and for being just 23 years old and and really just being able to hit big shot after big shot in these in-season yeah. tournament games and the, and the level of competition they've played. I was looking at the, the opponents the Lakers played in their pool play compared to who the Pacers have had to play, and I think the Pacers have had a much more up. You guys had to play Boston and Philly, right? Boston, Philly on the road. We snapped their A-game winning streak. We played Atlanta on the road, which they can get a hot. You know, Quinn Snyder's a good coach. Detroit was an easy one for us. We played Cleveland yeah. at home, and then we obviously had to play Milwaukee here. So yeah. just, you know, those are some of the top four teams in the Eastern Conference that we're going up against. Yeah. And being able to take them down was just like, okay, we can beat anybody now, right? <laughs> yeah. That's think, kind of the thing. I think the in basketball over the past four or five years, basically since like Harden Rockets days, has taken this big wave in terms of analytics and like, you know, threes and layups, right? Like obviously the Rockets are big proponents of that. And the Pacers are really good at that too. They're ninth in the NBA in terms of frequency of shots from three, seventh in terms of frequency of shots at the rim, right? They don't take a ton of middies. 20, they're second worst in the NBA in terms of mid-range frequency. Mm-hmm. But you look at like accuracy, they're top five across the board in terms of Number one in terms of mid-range jump shooting, number three in terms of threes, and eighth at the rim. So it's almost like I know they're I, I know I just said that the Pacers are number one at mid-range jump shooting, but it's almost like can you run the Pacers off the three-point line? I'm just spitballing here. So this sounds goofy, and you're saying, hell yeah, we'll take Buddy, he'll take it 12 mid-range jumpers. Please say it. But is like can you just run them off the three-point line? 80s your rim protector. And for some reason, the Pacers get scared and they take 30 mid-range jumpers. I think that's maybe a way you say it. And it's like, hey, can you mid-range jumper us to death this game, right? You're second worst in frequency. Can you do something you're technically uncomfortable at to win a game? I don't know. That'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't know if the Pacers would definitely – I don't know if they'd fall into that trap, I guess, of taking mid-range jumpers. Milwaukee kind of got them out of their their system and played a little zone against them, and the Pacers were getting shots, you know, about eight feet away from the basket. I think Andrew Nimhard was 4-4 in the third quarter in those shots. I'm not zoning you guys. That makes no sense. I'm not zoning the Pacers. Yeah, it's funny because it's like – Milwaukee's just so bad defensively. They had to go to a zone to try to stop anything, and they were kind of double-teaming Halliburton up top with their zone, and he would just pass it to the middle, and it was like wide-open shot after wide-open shot. And then Bruce Brown, he came in the game for Nimhard when he got hurt in the fourth quarter, which I don't know if he'll be able to play in Sunday's game, which would be kind of a – that would be impactful to a certain degree, but he's kind of been in and out of the lineup a little bit with T.J. McConnell and him kind of sharing those backup point guard minutes. So – I do think that just not having him as an option defensively would be really big because I think his defense has been really good on the perimeter and one of their better defenders and, and, and is Andrew Nimhard. But Bruce Brown is kind of similar in the way they play. Uh, I, I just think Bruce obviously has that championship experience. He's been there quite a bit more and isn't afraid of the moment. And so Bruce came in, he kind of filled that same role. He had two shots in the painted area as well, breaking down that uh, two, one, two zone or three, two zone they were trying to run. So I think that it's going to be interesting. I think that the Lakers' size could be problematic for Indiana mm-hmm. just because the Pacers' big guy is Miles Turner. If he gets in foul trouble with Anthony Davis, they have Isaiah Jackson as their backup, and then you're looking at a two-way guy in Oscar Sheboy yeah. as their third-string center. And he probably won't play, so they'll probably go small ball with Obi Toppin at the five. And that first game against Boston, when that was the case, it did not work out good. Uh, I think the Pacers did Chris were like, played that game? What was that? 
Did Kristaps play that game? Kristaps was out in that game. Okay. So they went a little bit smaller instead of playing Isaiah Jackson. He didn't play at all in that game on Monday. And they went with like an eight-man, nine-man rotation. But like it was mostly an eight-man rotation. And Obi Toppin at the five was just not uh, a very viable lineup. It was one of those things where the Pacers, I think, gave up like a nine-to-two run the moment they took Miles out. Then they went down like 21-13 to when Miles went out in the second. So it was like a minus 17, whatever that is, minus 15. And then they ended up being a plus three in the third quarters with that group for like three minutes. So overall though, a minus 12. <laughs> so I don't yeah. think it's one that you can really trust. So I do worry about that. I think the Lakers size could be problematic for Indiana. Yeah. I think the Lakers have been at their best this, this season when they play with their size, leaned into being an elite defense. But I mean, at the end of the day, they got to hit some shots too offensively. Like they're not a good three point shooting team. They had a really good three point shooting night tonight. I think part of it is some variance like Torian, Prince, whose career, a really good three-point shooter, hadn't been a good three-point shooter this year till the past eight or nine games or so, including tonight. So, I mean, the Lakers got to hit some shots come Saturday night as well. Yeah. I mean, the Pacers are number one in pace. They're number one in miles per game. They're one, number one in average speed per game of the game. Uh, number one in fast break points. Number one in points in the paint. So if they can get out and run and make LA run, I think it's going to be really interesting. They had the best offensive rating of 123.6, which – it's that just is insane. Absurd. So they, they've been really special, and I think that they're just riding this wave and going to see how far it takes them. But I, I, I do think that it means a lot to both teams. Obviously, LeBron being so open mind or open about wanting this championship for him and his resume. And then Tyrese Halliburton, on the flip side of everything, right, you know, you get this superstar in LeBron who's just adding more accolades to his resume, where Tyrese Halliburton, this is his first real chance to win anything with the team right so yeah it's just funny to see how you have both different spectrums of how the you know how they're approaching this and the storylines behind it but i think it's going to be great i think it's really cool to kind of see an, an up-and-coming team like the pacers taking on a team that's got that much star power in ad and lebron yeah absolutely it's gonna be a really really fun matchup come saturday night for sure i the pacers have my favorite player outside of any lakers guys and i mean they just play so fun i mean one of the more fun teams to watch. I think they're on everybody's league pass list for sure. Mm. So you think the Lakers win this game tonight? I'm going to be biased and say, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to be biased to say, yeah. Yeah. You have a score prediction at all? Uh, 120 to 116. 120 to 116. Okay. I'll, I'll just ride with the Pacers. I've been doing it in the last couple of predictions we've done for the end season tournament, uh, single elimination tournament. I'll say the Pacers win. 125 to 121. I think it's going to be a close game. Four-point swing, just like you thought, but in the favor of the Pacers. I think Tyrese Halliburton has just had so many big shots at the end of yeah. games. I think LeBron's going to try to double-team that and really call things out. I just I just know how he is. But I just go back to that game in Los Angeles last year when Andrew Nimmard had the game winner. <laughs> and, you know, that was a tough one. But you got to remember, like, just the pass that Tyrese made to Nimhard was nearly impossible. And Nemhard barely had enough time to get it off. And he said that I saw LeBron doing this. So you have two of the smartest basketball players in the game that read the floor incredibly well playing chess. And I think that's what's going to be super fun about this one. Weren't you guys uh, down two? We were down two. And, and we Turner doubled. missed a three at the Turner top of the missed. key. Pacers got the offensive rebound. Which is something that worries me. Are you guys a good offensive rebounding team? Uh, I think we're pretty mediocre rebounding-wise. It's kind of been our Achilles heel at times this year 
Uh, when they do rebound the ball well, it's not bad, but rebounds per game, uh, I would say we're probably in the bottom of that. I haven't really looked at the numbers, but I'm looking now, and uh, yeah, 29th in rebounding. <laughs> Yay. Well, so, has made that me is, a little bit happier. That is a downfall of ours. Yeah, I, I don't know. But thankfully, Lakers don't have as many of those late-game blunders as we did. Last. I mean, literally what happened against you guys happened All two time. months later against Matt Dallas. So yeah, yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, I just it's just one of those things. I know Russell Westbrook was on the team last year when that happened too. So totally different teams, and I know the Pacers played the Lakers pretty tough in Indiana. I think Tyrese Halliburton was named an All Star the night that they played on TNT, maybe or they weren't. No, they weren't on TNT, but it was a Thursday night game. I remember that, and I want to say the Lakers remember that game. I want to say the Lakers won, but regardless, it's new season, right? Obviously, uh, new teams, but. It's going to be a fun one. You've got the Lakers. I've got the Pacers. It makes sense. Uh, last question for you before I let you go. Who do you think is the X factor for the Los Angeles Lakers in this game? I think I'm just going to stick with Cam Reddish. I think okay. he, he's the guy that I'm putting on on Halliburton from the start. So can he just frustrate Halliburton like, in any regard? Maybe or just contest every single shot. I'm very curious to see how they guard the pick and roll with, with Hallie come uh, Saturday night, I would imagine they probably just try to play it as straight up as possible and not send any extra help and let these shooters get off. And that's how Halliburton gets 15 assists and still winds up with 28 points. So can Cam Reddish just try his hardest to frustrate Hallie? Maybe you're able to, able to get him in some cheap foul trouble on the other end as well. But that that's probably what I'm looking at right there. I like it. I like it. You know, I mean, Cam Reddish has been a really fun story to kind of see this year after the struggles he's had to find a spot and stick into a rotation. So, you know, whatever LeBron's doing to make Cam Reddish work there with the Lakers, I think that's great for him. And hopefully he can continue to grow off this opportunity with the Lakers for his career. But for me, for the Pacers, I'm going to go back to Aaron Neesmith. I think Aaron Neesmith has kind of been that's a good one. that X factor for the Pacers. And I feel like it's just going to be that way all season long. He's just so good defensively. And then he hits timely buckets like his shot is not great, and he was known as a shooter coming out of college, but it's kind of flat a little bit. It can be kind of squibby sometimes, and you're like, ooh, that's a bad shot. Like, what is it doing? But there's sometimes he just wills those babies in, and I will say he just he just changes the pace of the game, obviously. TJ McConnell does the same thing, but I'm going to ride with Neesmith as the X Factor. That's a great reference. That's yeah. a great. <laughs> that's a great. For thought. sure, for sure. So, Sean, I appreciate it, man. Go ahead and let everybody know where they can check all of your workout out on social media. You guys can uh, find me on Twitter or X now at Sean underscore D-A-V-I. And for any just general basketball talk, yes, go check out the Sports Headlines podcast. We're on YouTube and all the podcast feeds. Absolutely, man. Sounds great, everybody. You guys, we'll be back for a post-game recap podcast on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Hopefully, we are talking about a Pacers victory. But for Sean's sake, you know, uh, best of luck to you guys. And uh, no hard feelings either way. We're... Uh, we're enemies now, but we'll be friends after, all right? <laughs> all right, appreciate you, Alex. <laughs> Sounds good, Sean. We'll see you later. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need.